Church, as you are having a seat, if you would, uh, grab your Bibles and open up to Galatians. We're continuing in our look at the book of Galatians here uh, this morning. Uh, we've been uh, journeying through the whole book. Um, I can't remember how long it's been, but for a while. And uh, we come to the very final chapter here this morning, and we are not going to get very far. We're only going to spend time in verse 1. So verse 1 is so important. Verse 1 is uh, so good, and it's so uh, rich, and it's so applicable, and it's so relevant that, man, we just need to camp out in, uh, in verse 1 the, for our entire morning. If we're up to me... We would kind of do that through the whole thing, but it would take us like nine years to get through uh, a book of the Bible. So I understand that's not very practical. But for this morning, uh, we will be in verse one. And why are we going to just be spending so much time there? Well, the church, uh, we talk about this a lot. We, we kind of have to re-remind ourselves of this a lot, but the church is not an event. Uh, the church is not a place you go, but the church is a people you belong to. The church is the gathered ones of God under the gospel and banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, the verse that we're going to look at today doesn't really make any sense at all if you view church as an event that you go to. The verse we're going to look at today is all about our Christian responsibility toward one another in loving and serving Jesus and then in turn loving and serving each other. So if church to you is a place you go and show up, this verse is going to be like, that seems a little much. Um, that seems a little much. Um, but if church is a people and church is a ongoing, lifelong walk with the Lord and with one another, then this makes a lot of sense and it's beautiful uh, and it's good. It's difficult, but it's good. So here it is, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Here's our scripture. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I'm going to read again. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin could be translated. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Now, the subject matter this morning is the necessity and the nature of the restoration of a sinning believer. Okay? It is the nature and the necessity of the restoration of a sinning believer, brother and sister in Christ, which when we look at this and we just read that verse, we read it twice, you instantly see how relevant this is. You instantly see how uh, applicable this is. For the process is spelled out for us, and the Apostle Paul is telling us this because this process should be in constant work in our lives. This is something that we should be practicing uh, consistently as a believer in Christ. And it will be, and it should be, through the entirety of your Christian walk. So you could be on either side of this coin. Uh, and I've been on either side of this coin. Uh, sometimes we're the ones 
that fall on our face, get tripped up by sin, fall into sin and rebellion as we tend to do, and sometimes we're the ones uh, called of God, a brother and sister in Christ, who is walking with the Spirit and has come to lift up that one that has fallen. This, is the, this, this verse is the very nature of our Christian conduct and character as believers. And this pattern of um, falling into sin and being restored back to Christ is the pattern of the Christian life that Paul is telling us. Um, simply, it must happen this way. So I, I think all of us certainly know uh, what it's like to trip up and fall on our face and fall into sin. And Paul comes to the final section, the, the final chapter of this verse or, or of this book, and he's going to expound on, uh, next week we'll get to it, but right after he talks about falling into sin and restoring brothers and sisters in Christ, right after this, he's going to say, and so we're to bear one another's burdens. That very great, famous passage of we as Christians are to bear one another's burdens. So there's a sense that he uses this illustration first in verse 1. And then he gives us the context of bearing one another's burdens right after this illustration. You guys tracking? You following me with that? Meaning this. So there's the clear illustration of bearing one another's burdens that we'll look at next week is involved, is tied to, is paired with the critical task of restoring believers who have fallen into sin. That's part of Christian living of bearing one another's burdens. Paul's saying is restoring brothers and sisters who have tripped and fallen into sin. And it's not insignificant that this verse and this process that Paul begins the word by saying brothers once again. He comes back to this word. And if you remember, he used the term in the last chapter in verse 13. Galatians 5.13. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Talking about these believers. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. So Paul's reminder to them about the nature of their Christian freedom was founded on the fact that they were sons and daughters of God. And because they were sons and daughters of God, they could enjoy the freedom that God had promised them. And in the same way, he's using this word again. He's saying to them, because you are brothers and sisters, because we are family, the family of God, we are linked together in far greater ways than we could ever imagine. And because of that reality, we must face the task, the Christian responsibility of restoring brothers and sisters when they've fallen into sin and rebellion. Uh, if you remember all the way back at the very beginning in Genesis, not, not the beginning of Galatians, way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter four, um, Cain, uh, his defense when he's talking to God, you remember what he says? He goes, God, am I my brother's keeper? Remember that famous line? Am I my brother's keeper? We still say that today. Uh, he assumed, of course, he wasn't. 
Uh, but he was wrong. The answer was yes, you are. <laughs> you should love, you should know, you should treasure, you should serve, you should be involved. And if we were to ask that question as believers today, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Uh, this section of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, the book of Galatians says, yes, yes. Um, you are. Having been born into the very family of God, with all the joy that we get of being a part of the family of God, the joy of relationship, the joy of celebration, the joy of rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, there also comes um, grieving with those who grieve and coming, coming alongside those that have fallen and skinned their knee and don't know how to get up. Uh, that's, that's the Christian family. Uh, and that doesn't make sense if churches are just a place you go. But it does make a whole lot of sense if church is a people to whom you belong under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, so let's walk through this passage together. Uh, first thing we're going to look at, step one or point one, we're going to have four, all right, uh, is what is the problem that he's tackling? So he introduces the problem here in this phrase. If anyone is caught in any transgression, some of your translations uh, translate that into sin. That's just, it's the same idea. If anyone is caught in any transgression or sin. So when we look at that, there is a question that has to be asked right, asked right at the very front. Uh, is Paul referring to uh, catching someone in the act of sin? Right? Look at that again. You're like, okay, what's going on here? If anyone is caught in any transgression or sin. So is Paul saying, as you go about life as a Christian, and are you observe, you're observing your brothers and sisters, and you catch them in a sin. Is that what he's saying? Oh, look. That, guy, that guy's really done it again. Look at him sinning. Is that what he's saying? Like, so it kind of has this idea of a little bit of like spiritual policing. Is this what he's asking? Is this what he's getting at when he's saying this? Like a police officer that is kind of hiding. Uh, he, you know, the, the, they always find those great spots when you're on the highway. And right as you're cresting over the hill, he's just like, dink, gotcha. You're like, oh. Is it that idea of like, he caught you. Radar gun gets you. You can't even, ah, uh, yeah, I was, I was speeding. Um, is this the idea? Or... Is it referring to, is Paul, get, is the idea here, is he getting at an individual being caught by sin, being caught up in sin? As they are going about their spiritual journey, they get caught up in the hooks of sin, grab them, and pull them down to the track. Is that what he's getting at? Um, the first one, the first idea of catching one another in sin, the clearest biblical example we have um, is in John 8. You might remember that story. Is when the religious leaders catch the woman caught in the act of adultery and they ask Jesus what, they're gonna, what, what he's going to do about this. Um, and so this is, has the, the idea, the sense of that story is very much like this spiritual policing. 
right? Uh, the whole story is strange. It's like, how did you catch her? Like, what were, how, there's obviously there's some setup going on. It seems very shady. It seems very, like, nefarious almost. And it was the idea of someone just waiting for someone to walk into it so that they can just pounce on them and bring the hammer down. Uh, this group that caught the woman in the act of adultery in John 8, I can't imagine um, was interested at all in the act of restoration, of restoring that woman uh, back to the Lord. In fact, they wanted to grab rocks and kill her, um, to shame her, to point her out to everyone else around. Um, I don't believe that Paul is uh, making this point at all here in Galatians 6. Uh, I don't get the sense that Paul is telling us uh, to be the spiritual police for everyone around us. And it's our job to stand ready and catch anyone uh, as they sin. I think the picture that Paul is painting here is the individual, the believer, the brothers and sisters, as they are following God, are uh, caught by sin. They're caught up in sin as sin tends to do. It tempts us, it grabs us, it trips us up. We get wrestled to the ground. We get mugged by sin almost to different varying degrees. And it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. This is a very real part of living in the world in which we live today and forever post-fall, right? Right? And why do I see it this way? Because I believe there is this uh, element of surprise in this verb. Um, the Greek word, it's not super important, but it's a cool sounding Greek verb, uh, paralambano. Sounds cool, right? Great word. It, it has the connotation or the idea of the element of surprise. So it's like you're going about your day and all of a sudden, and we know this is often how sin interacts with us, it just, boom, in a minute. You didn't even see it coming. It surprises you. Um, that's how sin works. None of us are, uh, unless you're an act of rebellion against God and running away from him, none of us willingly just say, oh, I just today I think I'm going to just run headlong into sin and rebellion. It oftentimes surprises us, and then we don't even understand how we got there. I can't believe I ended up here. It's, it's this picture. It's you're driving along in your car, um, and you're, you're, just, you're going on your, your long trip, and you've got it on cruise control. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and just in case, this is just a side note, you, when you're just driving and you're not passing, stay in the right-hand lane. So you don't just camp in the left. And so th- j- just keep that in mind. You, and you're passing, you go faster in the left, and then you immediately get over into the right. That's just for free. You can write that down. Um, in case you didn't know or you didn't uh, take driver's education and learn that. Um, so this is, you're driving in the left, you're driving in the right lane, you got, you got someone you want to pass, and you're about to put your blinker over, and you check your mirrors, everything looks good, and you begin to coast over, and you hear, bah, bah, and flashing lights, you're like, oh, you, you kind of get back, and they're giving you some uh, helpful hand gestures to let you know how they feel about you in that moment, and inevitably, you're with your friends, or you're with your spouse, you, what do you always say? Where do they come from? 
It's always their fault. You're like, well, they just came out of nowhere. Of course, I, checked. I did all the things I was supposed to do, right? They just were there. Now, obviously, you just didn't check very well, um, but you were surprised. Hard. You were like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I almost ran into this person. That's the notion here of being caught off guard. It is not, Paul is not getting at the notion of an individual who has settled in to a pattern of sinfulness. Now, this is important to understand. If this were the case, if this was the idea of a person settling into a pattern of sinful behavior, uh, this would be a matter of church discipline, right? And the Bible spells out how we handle those matters of someone who is uh, rebellious, they've been confronted by their sin, they go, you're wrong, I don't see it like that, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm right, and I don't care. That's church discipline. Paul's not talking about that right here. He's talking about the believer in Christ along their journey that are tripped up, caught off guard, surprised, and yanked down by sin. Yes, they're in it. Yes, they were wrong. Yes, they're tripped up in it. And they've hit the ground and they've skinned their knees and they don't know what to do. Uh, It's not someone in active rebellion and disobedience. It's the person that's crashed down. And another word that Paul uses to help us really understand what's going on here is this word trespass or the word sin. It literally means to step aside or to misstep or to step off the track. So it's this word picture that the Apostle Paul is painting for us of a person, he's running on the track, he's running his race, he's running her, she's running her race, doing very well, and they trip and they go outside their lane. And they trip again and they're about to fall, or maybe they did fall, and they're about to be disqualified from the race, right? So Paul's saying, when that person is going and they trespass, they trip, they step outside. And now they're not going on the track that the Lord would have for them. And they even crash down on the track. What do we do? Well, um, it would be like we're driving along. I'm using a lot of driving examples. This is great. So this is super practical, right? You're driving down the road. You see your friend. He's got the hood of his car open. There's smoke coming out. He's got grease all over his hands. He's kind of doing this. He's like elbows on the, on the hood of the car, doesn't know what to do, stuck, cars broke down. Uh, he's in a bad spot. He doesn't know what to do. Um, do you say to yourself in that moment, well, serves them right. They're driving such an old beat-up car. If you would have listened to me and bought the car I suggested, this thing would have never broken down. Or maybe... Had they have been using uh, the right synthetic blend of oil, I'm sure we've talked about this. They just use the cheap stuff. If they would have done that, they would have done it like how I, like, or do you just sort of drive by and wave at them? Oh, too bad for you. Have a nice day. I'll see you next time. I would have never gotten myself in that mess. Uh, it's, it's like the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Do you pass by on the other side uncaringly? Paul says here, in this moment, um, Galatians chapter 6 is a great test of our Christian brotherhood toward one another, to be a genuine, caring member of the family of God. 
brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression. And uh, it doesn't say, come with sandpaper and criticism. It doesn't say that. Uh, Come with judgment and critique. Come with how you would have done it better. A a critic's voice to a fallen brother and sister um, beats up. It doesn't restore. And sometimes it drives them from the very family of God. And the church is notorious for doing that. We're all just broken, sinful, messed up people. Um, we all look real pretty when we come here. But man, inside, we've just, our heart is just broken with sin and failure. Our lives are marked by it. And we need a place and we need brothers and sisters when we're down and we hit the track to come along and give us uh, an arm that we really need. Um, criticism and critics that can look at the situation and like to give their theories about how that person hit the track um, just wound people. And it drives that person deeper into legalism and doesn't restore the person falling on the track. Um, It doesn't help at all. So it's precisely in these moments, the Apostle Paul is telling us, um, that our Christian character is put on display. Um, Second thing, uh, what's the process? Um, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So what's to be done? Firstly, uh, Christians cannot stand idly by. Um, uh, you can't just see someone that's fallen and just stand idly by and do nothing. Uh, you're not called to just gossip and talk about how that person fell and got there and, oh, that's a real shame. And um, let me tell this person in the spirit of a prayer request, but really I just want to talk about them. Um, that's not what we're to do. Uh, we're not to just to give our comments about it to other people. There's supposed to be restoration, the scriptures say. And this is a medical word that the Bible gives us here. To restore. Uh, restoration is a medical word. It's, it's, it's the idea of putting a bone back into place that has been broken. Or putting a joint back into the place that has been separated. To bring it back to wholeness. I played high school football. Um, and I dislocated my shoulder uh, my junior year or senior year. I can't remember which one. Uh, anyone have... Uh, Johnny, 150% at practice, or no, no matter, there was always that guy, he'd always go 150%, no matter like what was going on. So this was, we were, it was almost, we had a game the next day, so we were going like half speed, running through plays, just to make sure we got all of our, our, our spots down and our drills down. Um, but Johnny, 150%, doesn't go half speed. He goes 150% and wants to put everyone on the ground at all times to prove his toughness. And so I got to introduce to Johnny 150 at half speed running through plays, and he clocked me. We, were only, we weren't wearing any leg pads, and we were only wearing like a loose uh, jersey over our shoulder pads. So my shoulder pad flew up because it wasn't held in by the jersey, which that's what jerseys do, protect your shoulders all the way down. Flew up, and my shoulder met the hard dirt. Boom! Just shoulder blew out, right? It's just like hanging there like this. I was like, oh. I got up and I like, 
The last thing I wanted anyone to do was like mess with it. I could barely get up. It was like just kind of one of those like, oh my goodness, the something is not, this is, something's not right in here. And so uh, I had probably a few other choice words to say to Johnny 150, and uh, we, we weren't fast friends after that. But so the trainer runs over, he takes me to the team doc, and the team doctor uh, knows what to do. I don't want this to happen. This is not a fun, uh, it's like, oh my goodness, what, you're going to do what to me? Now i got to take your shoulder and go, like just jam it back into place, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And so he's, I'm like, is it going to hurt? Yes, it's going to hurt. But he's like, he's, he reassured me, I know what I'm doing. It's just, and so he did this like roll up, crack, bam, like went back into place. I was like, oh, and I could move my, sh- I could move it again. It hurt, but I could move it again because he had a skilled hand. He knew what he was doing. He, he didn't like take a hammer and like just try to bash it back in the other way. He was gentle. It was painful, but he knew what he was doing. This is what restoration is all about. This is what the apostle Paul is talking about. Um, he's restoring something that is broken back to usefulness, Right? Because the idea is that I could get back on the field, although I couldn't that very next day, and play. Now, my shoulder is not quite the same. Sometimes when we sin and we fall, uh, it hurts us bad, and we get wounded real bad. Uh, Things are never quite the same. And sometimes that's the way it is. But the goal is still restoration. I can still do this. Now, if I did this and you ran into my arm right here, it would go... My kids have done it a number of times. If I ever go, I learned this the hard way uh, when my my wife and I weren't yet married. We were dating. uh, She grew up in the lake. Let's go water skiing. Jumped on. I was like, oh, this will be great. Oh, just, oh, oh my God. Like it's just, right? I didn't didn't know that would happen. I should have known. It's not quite the same. I can't do a few things. Um, There's a few things that it prevents me from doing. But it's still useful. It's still back to usefulness. And this is the idea that Paul is telling us here. Um, He's saying we're to be a people that when we see brothers and sisters fall, we come alongside and restore them back to usefulness. Mark 2 uses the same word, to restore. Mark 2 is the story when Jesus uh, approaches his disciples that are on the shore. And when he sees them for the very first time, they're on uh, their boats <clears throat> at the shore, and they are mending their nets. Same word for restoring their nets. Same word here used in Galatians 6.1. Mark 2. What were the disciples doing with their nets? They were sewing them where they were torn. They were getting them ready to be used again tomorrow. They were restoring them to usefulness. They were not restoring them to put them in a box and put them away church, when our brothers and sisters fall and stumble into sin, it is our knee-jerk reaction to come alongside them, stitch them up maybe, but then put them away. Oh man, they really blew it. Uh, God's done with them. That is not the story of the gospel. We are to be a people that come and mend the nets, mend the hearts and lives of those that have fallen, uh, to put them back into active service in the kingdom of God, that they would be useful.
to all that God has called them to. It might not be exactly the same as it once was. We want to build a whole theology on this little analogy, but I think it, there's maybe some application here. There's some tears in a net that in, the, in, the, in a really bad place, depending on how large the tear is, you can still mend it. It might not ever perform exactly how it used to, but it can still be restored to usefulness, like my shoulder. Um, that's what the Lord is calling us to here so that God can be using us. Uh, God can get us back up, that when we get tripped up, that we are a part of the restoration process of other believers. Third thing, who should do this? Um, those who are spiritual, the verse says. He just said brothers, and he says brothers who are spiritual should be the ones coming alongside others in the area of restoration, Okay? So um, this task doesn't fall to those uh, who like to be combative and fight for fighting's sake. This task doesn't fall to the jealous ones. This task doesn't fall to the know-it-alls that just like to point out people's failures but don't do anything to come alongside and help them. This task doesn't fall to the critical ones who love to find things out about people and pass them along. Um, Paul says, though the ones who are spiritual... All right, so what does he mean here? Well, if you remember, last week when Jeff was here, the ones who are spiritual are the ones that Paul says are keeping in step with the Spirit, right? What happens when we are keeping in step with the Spirit? Well, uh, luckily, God's Word gives it to us. Galatians 5.22. Here's what spirituality looks like. Here's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Here are the brothers who are spiritual should be involved in the active part of restoration of other believers. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22-23 is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the brothers and sisters who are spiritual. People walking in step of the Spirit, producing that out of their lives. But sadly, not all are doing that. Um, this isn't like an elite group. This is just people who are bearing and birthing the fruit of the Spirit out of their lives. So church, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you experiencing these things in your life? Is God uh, growing you in patience is God growing you in joy in the Lord? Do you long to read the scriptures knowing um, that it's the very words of life? Is he growing you in self-control and in gentleness? To you then, the task is given. This isn't like, oh, pastors, I gotta, I'll just run this up the pole. It's family of God, uh, we're to be involved in this process. Um, so if what is to be done is restoration to usefulness and those who are walking in the spirit are to do it, then how is it to be done? Last thing, we're almost done. There's two words here. The first one is uh, for those who are being restored and the second word is for those who are doing the restoring. Um, 
So what is the experience of the one being restored? What should they be experiencing as we, brothers and sisters in Christ, are restoring them back to usefulness? The answer, one word, gentleness. Gentleness. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Spiritual people restore others in a spirit of gentleness. That is part of what God is doing in the lives of people. He's making us gentle. We're not default gentle people. We're default rebellious, argumentative, critical, angry, divided people. That's our sinful nature. That's what we run to. That's our default. The Spirit of God given to us through Jesus Christ by the Lord himself is changing those rebellious things in us and is beginning to form inroads into our hearts to make us gentle. Gentle. Um, Romans 2 tells us it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You didn't repent of your sin and cry out to God because God brought a hammer down on you. It was the very kindness of God, the love of God, the gentleness of God that drew you in like a loving father. In fact, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, the only verse in the entire Bible where we see inside the heart of Jesus, it tells us what the heart of Jesus is like. The only verse, there's only one, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Should be on the screen. It might be. It's not on the screen. The screens are broken. Um, boy, the one time I, th- I think that it's, it's all right. Listen to my words. Um, it says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here he tells us. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's the heart of Jesus. Jesus just told us what his heart's like. That is a remarkable verse. Spiritual people are always gentle people. Thick skin, but a soft heart. Um, Spiritual people know when gentleness is required. And in this case, it's gentleness all the way. Rebuke and condemnation are poor aids when brothers and sisters are down. Uh, compassion for people is required for restoration. And restoration often requires sacrifice. It requires our time. It requires, think of the story of the Good Samaritan. The ones that didn't pass by and just leave the guy for dead. Cost the guy time, cost him his resources, cost him a lot. To restore this person. That's the message of Galatians 6.1. It's, we're gonna take a spill sometimes. Our friends around us are gonna take a spill sometimes. They're gonna bleed, they're gonna weep, and they don't need a hammer. They don't need someone shouting at them. They need someone to lift them up. Um, They need someone to set them back on track, to keep them in step with the spirit. Final word, and we're done. Um, It's the word for those who are restoring. It's this word, we are to be watchful. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. It's this idea of looking down a scope, like of a bow and arrow, you've got your bullseye and you are 
considering and you're keeping careful watch on what? The target is yourself, your own heart, that you don't fall also into temptation. So we're going to come alongside and help those that have fallen into sin. They're going to be in a bad place. They're going to need bandaged up. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we watch our hearts, we guard our conduct in life, that we are still keeping in step with the very spirit of God, that we just don't get dragged right back down with them, that we'd watch our lives. Um, or you can think about it the other way, that we wouldn't come alongside and want to like help fix all these other people and help get the speck out of their life. Meanwhile, we've got a log coming out of our own eye. Watch your life. Know your own heart. Know how God has wired you and keep careful watch lest you too be tempted. So the call of restoring brothers and sisters back to usefulness in ministry is the call for all of us. You who are spiritual, that should be all of us. If you're not walking in the fruit of the spirits, then it says, man, just start keeping in step with the spirits and let the, let the virtues of patience and love and peace and joy and self-control begin to work out in your life, then you're, then you're ready. And then come help someone that has fallen down and get them back on track so that those things would be birthed in your life. That's Christian community. It's Christian brotherhood that we, when we get tripped up, have folks to pick us back up and get us back on track to usefulness in the very kingdom of God. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that um, you are a God that when we fall and stumble, you do not just um, kick us out and remove us from the fold, God, but you send us the very family of God to point us back in the right direction, to help us fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we could look to you, we could find grace and mercy in our brothers and sisters, and we would find ultimate grace in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray for any in this room right now that have fallen on the track, that are struggling. Lord, might they be brave enough to reach out to a friend, to a pastor, to a community group leader, and ask for help that they need by the Spirit. And us, God, with a spirit of gentleness, can come and help be part of the restoration work of the kingdom of God. There's no greater work. Thank you that you involve us in the process. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and worship church.